Good morning, Chapel Hill. All right, we need Bibles this morning. We've got a lot of material to cover in the Bible this morning. So get your Bibles out, open up your Bible apps. If you don't have a Bible to follow along in, just put your hand up. Our ushers are coming around. They will give you a Bible that you can use to follow along in and take with you if you don't have one. Uh, If you have not purchased your turkey yet for Thanksgiving, I'm just going to make an offer here. It's not legal, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) There's a small flock of turkeys that likes to hang out right outside the front door of the church and drop little gifts all over that mat that's impossible to clean outside the church. So um, if you don't have a turkey for Thanksgiving, just help yourself. All right. (laughs) As we approach our annual celebration of Thanksgiving, um, I have the extreme pleasure and privilege in my job of intentionally reflecting on who the church is, what the church is, and what God's doing in and through this church. Takes no time at all to come up with a list of things to be thankful for. Um, Chapel Hill Church is a joy and delight to me, um, even in times when we have to work through challenging circumstances. This is God's family. This is the bride of Jesus Christ. This is a representation of God's kingdom here on earth, and I am very, very grateful for this church. I am immediately thankful for the love that this church has for God. I love how important it is for us to remain Bible-focused. I love how welcoming we are and that we're constantly growing in this. I'm grateful for the many, many ways in which we serve together. We serve God. We serve each other. We serve this community. I'm thankful for the hours and days, years that you've invested in seeing this church become who God wants it to be. I'm thankful for the prayers and encouragement and devotion to each other. I'm grateful for the growth, the community, the impact that we have And I could seriously go on and on with that for a long time because I am very thankful for this church. Um, On Wednesday evening, we're going to come together here and share with each other what we're grateful for. Uh, If you haven't decided whether or not you're going to come to our Pi Social on Wednesday, then just let me make that decision for you. You're coming, 6.30, Wednesday, Pi, be here. Well, God does a lot of reflecting on the church as well. Uh, Being the bride of Christ that we are, he naturally has us on his mind all the time. And so he created a vision for us, and he shared that vision with us in the Bible. And that vision includes how we treat each other in his family. Jesus included the one another's in his vision for us, and they are plentiful, He asks us to love one another and then adds a whole collection of ways that we do that. We're to be devoted to, honor, live in harmony with, build up, be like-minded towards, accept, admonish, care for, serve, bear burdens for, forgive, be patient with, speak truth to, be kind and compassionate to, bless, submit to, consider better than ourselves, look to the interests of, bear with, teach, comfort, encourage, exhort, stir up, show hospitality to, be humble towards one another. And I'm not even giving you the whole list, because that is not the focus of this message, but there's more. And that more includes this command from James 5.16. Pray for one another. And there aren't conditions to this command. 
This isn't reserved only for people who are powerful prayer warriors. This isn't reserved just for members of the prayer team. This is for every one of us in God's family. And so we, as we continue to grow in our union with God, specifically through prayer, like we've been talking about for a while now, we have to include this aspect of prayer. We simply have to be, Chapel Hill, praying for each other. It's something that God has called us to do. This has come up multiple times in this series of messages. We have a call to pray for each other. We have opportunities here to do this together. We have methods of sharing with each other the things that we need prayer for. And so as we wrap up this series this morning, there is one thing that I'd like to add to this idea of praying for each other that I think will help us get to where we want to be. Our focus this morning will be a continuation of what we looked at last week. We're going to focus on Paul as our role model for this. Praying for the church was very, very obviously important to Paul. And so we're going to look at several examples of Paul doing this and then think about how we can be doing this ourselves. All right, so turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start there. Um, And you're going to notice a trend as we go here. We're going to look at several different passages, uh, different letters. This is how Paul started almost every single one of his letters to the churches in the New Testament. There is only one letter that does not include an opening like this. The church in Galatia had clearly upset Paul. So in that letter, he went straight to challenging what was happening in their church. Um, We don't want to be on Paul's bad side. I'd far rather get a letter from him that opens this way. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, where Paul writes this. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's when he comes back. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's prayer for the church in Corinth, the recipients of this letter, began with thanksgiving. Paul thanked God for the grace he extended to this church family. He thanked God for providing every spiritual need that they had. This church depended on God for whatever they needed to carry out his vision for them. And so Paul prayed prayers of thanksgiving for the church in Corinth. Okay, then, skipping Galatians, like I said, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Now we get to see one of Paul's hang-ups when it comes to his writing skills. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 21, is one ginormous sentence. And we work really hard as parents. We're doing this right now. We were doing it for hours last night with one of our boys who's in college, teaching our kids not to write sentences like this. Um, But Paul comes along and just discredits all our hard work. So here's what he writes in in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 21. He says, for this reason, 
Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Uh, One sentence. Try doing that in one breath sometime. Paul's prayers for the church in Ephesus started again with giving thanks He saw what God was doing in them. He asked God to increase their wisdom and their understanding of God. He asked God to demonstrate his power in that church. But as he did in his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul started his prayer and his letter by giving thanks for this church. Okay. Last Sunday, we looked at the start of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. We won't go back to that passage But I do want to point out something else that Paul wrote in this letter, in the letter to the church at Philippi. It confirms the trend that we're seeing in Paul's letters. So this is what Paul wrote in Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7, where he writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, that means gentleness, by the way, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication or requests with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's giving, the church, giving this church some guidance about a subject that is very relevant to our culture right here and right now. Um, Paul's talking about anxiety in there. And his advice for them is to pray. He's inviting the church to ask. Ask God for what you need, and God will provide. But, Paul says, do your asking in a spirit of thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. There's a direct correlation between prayer and thanksgiving. That's what I'm pointing out this morning. Okay, next letter. This time, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Be looking for our theme. Paul was seriously stuck in a rut here, in a good way. This must have been important to him, and so, yes, it should be important to us as well. This is Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, where he writes this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world, in the whole world, It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace 
of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Right There it is again. First of all, isn't this an incredible way to encourage and pray for a church? So much to learn from, from, from this passage about how we pray for our church. If we focus on the ways in which the gospel has produced fruit in our church, there is much to be thankful for. The way we welcome people, the impact we're having in our communities, the love that we're expressing to each other as we create community together here, all worthy, church, of giving thanks for. And then, of course, we see the close tie between prayer and thanksgiving once again. Paul is thankful for their growth, and he prays for their growth. He prays again for wisdom and understanding. He prays for God's strength to fill the church He thanks God for the gift that he's given the church in Colossae. All things that we can can thank God for in our local context, here in Chapel Hill Church. On to the next letter. The first letter to the church in Thessalonica. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 10. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor, of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. All right, Paul is obviously a little predictable. No surprise here. He gives thanks for the church in Thessalonica and Paul again spells out what he's giving thanks for. He mentions specifically their work of faith, their labor of love, the steadfastness of hope that they had. He affirms their belief, and Paul focuses on the impact that this church was having 
on the communities around them. The gospel was going out through them to surrounding areas, and Paul points that out, and he is thankful for that. Paul was remarkably personal, especially considering the fact that he didn't live in Thessalonica or these other places he wrote to, and he wasn't with them daily. These were things that he was thankful for from, just from a distance. Now, how much more of a head start do we have in our prayers for Chapel Hill Church, for our own church family? All right, one more. This time it's the second letter Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. This one came very shortly after the first one. Paul definitely had more to say, but once again, look for some of those familiar words that we've seen in the other letters here, all right? This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. And no surprise, this is how it starts. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, please tell me that you're getting the picture here. God instructs his church God instructs us to pray for each other. That's part of who he wants us to be. Paul gives us multiple examples of what that might look like. Let me give you some suggestions that come to mind as I watch Paul praying for the New Testament churches. Okay? First of all, we can all look for and find what God is doing in our church. It's right there in front of us. Paul's thanksgiving for the churches was centered around what God was accomplishing there. God had started working in them. He would continue what he started. And Paul gave thanks for that. And then Paul prayed repeatedly for an increase in God's wisdom and understanding in each of the churches. What a great thing to pray for, for this church, for Chapel Hill Church. Pray that we grow in our wisdom and our understanding. Pray that God accomplishes his will in this church. Secondly, the love that the church had for each other was a common theme in Paul's letters. You saw that again and again. Paul gave thanks for the ways in which the members of the church families were caring for each other. 
he would then go on to ask that God would increase their love, make it abound. We saw this in his letter to the church at Philippi. This is a very tangible way for us to engage in prayer for Chapel Hill Church. Yes, we do well at welcoming people, and we do well at taking care of the needs within our church family, so God, increase that love. Make it abound here. Pray specifically that God fills us with love for specific people that call this church their home. Then Paul also gives thanks for the impact the churches were having on their surrounding communities. Um, First Thessalonians was a great example of this. We have an opportunity to celebrate with thanksgiving when Chapel Hill impacts the communities and impacts this world. From the overwhelming success of our recent food drive to the joy of watching one of our own, Preston Searles, serving with Steiger International in Argentina for the last couple of weeks. We're having an impact. But Paul doesn't stop at the Thanksgiving. He prays for courage for the churches to boldly proclaim Jesus to the world. Well, we don't have to look far to be reminded of how to pray for Chapel Hill Church. In fact, when you come into this church on Sunday morning or any given day, when you come in those front doors, I would encourage you to look just slightly to the left at this wall, the other side of this wall right here, the one that faces the cafeteria. You're going to see three big words there. Anyone want to guess what they are? You've seen them thousands of times. Grow, love, impact. Those three words represent the values of Chapel Hill Church. And not coincidentally, they align very well with the things that Paul mentioned in the openings of his letters to the New Testament churches. Paul gave thanks to God for the ways in which churches were growing. He gave thanks for their faith. And then he asked God to increase the knowledge and understanding of the churches. Paul gave thanks for the love of the churches. He thanked God for the ways that they were loving each other. Then he asked God to make their love abound. He asked for the love between brothers and sisters in the church to flourish. Paul gave thanks to God for the ways in which the church, the churches were impacting their neighbors. Then he asked God to make the churches an example to the world around them. He exhorted the churches to be partners with him in the gospel. So in the, in the simplicity of cut out letters stuck to the wall in our lobby, God is reminding us to pray for this church. Through Paul, we've been invited to come before God with our requests, with our prayers. But we've also been inspired by his example to come not only with requests, but with thanksgiving. God is doing a great work here at Chapel Hill Church. This church family is growing in its faith. It's growing in the love that we have for each other. It's growing in the impact that we have on our communities and on our world. Let's make a habit of praying with thanksgiving for what God's doing 
in the Chapel Hill family, and then let's ask him to complete the work that he started in us. We're not lacking things to pray for. We're not lacking examples of how we can be praying for our church. All we have left to do is do. All we have left to do is obediently follow James' command to pray for one another. So, following Paul's example, here's what the opening of my letter to Chapel Hill Church might look like if I was back in Canada sending you letters. This is from me. Paul, a work-in-progress servant of Jesus Christ, to the saints of Chapel Hill Church. I thank God for you always when I think of you. God is doing a great thing among you. I thank God for your faith. I pray that God gives this church family wisdom and understanding I thank God for the love that you have for each other. I pray that God makes your love for him and for each other abound. I thank God for the example you are in the communities where you live. And I pray that God helps you see that you are partners with Jesus Christ in his mission. I do thank God for you, Chapel Hill. What I'm committing to do now is to add that thanksgiving to my prayers for you. Let's all do that. Let's add thanksgiving to our prayers as we remember each other and as we remember what God is doing here. This week, let's blend these two things together. It's going to be a week of thanksgiving. Let's make that a permanent part of our prayers. All right, let's pray together now. Father, I do thank you for this church, for this family. I thank you for what you have done here, for what you are doing here, for what you're going to do here. I thank you for a church that has a deep faith for a church that has put you first before themselves, for a church that puts others first, for the love that this church has for everyone. And I ask that you would grow that, that you would grow our love, that it would abound, that it would take off, that we would be more and more known as a church where the love of this church just increases exponentially Thank you, Lord, for the the impact that this church is having. Thank you for the lives that are being touched, for those who have been brought into your family as a result of this church, for those who have been blessed and provided for, cared for. Thank you for that, that you have called us into partnership with you, with Jesus Christ, in the mission that you have to redeem all things in this world. God, I just ask that you would continue what you've started here. We love you for who you are, and we love you because you love us. Now fill us with that love. Father, as we enter into a season of thanksgiving here this week, I just pray that you would bring to mind for every one of us all that you've done here and all that you're going to do 
And that as we give thanks, we would pray. As we pray, we would give thanks. Lay it all before you as an offering of gratitude. You are an amazing God. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.